Now, why are you here this time? I huh? told you. Somebody's what? trying to kill me. Oh, Jesus. Somehow, I don't think I should be looking at this. Just look. What? Oh, come on. I looked at this now. I was blue in the face three years ago. Since the assassination, six of these people have died in some kind of an accident. Four. Look, nobody's trying to kill you, huh? These people were killed. And whoever killed them is going to try to kill me. Austin Tucker thinks so, too. Austin thinks that maybe we all saw something up there. Yeah, well, we did see something up there, didn't we? No, I mean something else. Well, what do you mean by something else? Does he ever indicate what he means by that? Has he ever indicated to you that he saw anything other than what was in the commission report? No. Nothing? No. Did you see anything up there? No. Well, neither did I. And believe me, I looked. We all looked. You mean if you didn't see it, it's not there? Well, I didn't say that. It's just that I know all about these accidents. Ralph Scaletta was a known lush. He hit a piling on the George Washington Bridge. He killed three other people with him. Joy Holder died of anaphylactic shock when the doctor gave her the wrong antibiotic. Herbert Moon burned himself up in bed smoking, which his girlfriend always told him he was going to do, and Harry Lutz had a heart attack. Harry Lutz was 40 years old. It's too young to have a heart attack. Oh, it's not. He was thin. He was in uh, terrific bullshit. condition. He found out his wife was banging her psychiatrist, and on the same day, a bulldozer accidentally knocked over half his house. Come on, he was lucky to last that long. That's future shock, Lee. You mean you no longer believe that there was another assassin involved in shooting Carol? That's right. But it was an explanation. People were crazy for any kind of explanation then. Every time you turned around, some nut was knocking off one of the best men in the country. Okay. Okay. But there's six out of 18 dead. Four? That was the last time you looked. Since then, Norman Lomax has died. And now Arthur Bridges. What are you talking about? A fishing accident? Where the hell is Salmon Tail? Salmon Tail is where Austin Tucker is now. I tried to reach him. Well? Why don't you call him? Salmontail looks like a small town. Take me. Take me there. Yeah. We could we could catch a plane and we could be there this evening. Mm -hmm. Natalie. Please. Just call him up. It's a fishing accident. You want to hear about my day? I got some real problems. <laughs> you <laughs> son of a bitch! <laughs> you don't care! Welcome back to Flickers from the Cave. It's episode 212, a.k.a. the boiling point of water. Um, my name is Marty. I am Mike. Hello, I'm Julie. We are going to talk about a lot of things on this show, but the main thing we're going to talk about is conspiracy theory. And this is 
back before the QAnon days. This is back when conspiracies were. What, do you, what would you say, Mike? Like back when we didn't have to make conspiracies great again? Right. This is when we had some decent conspiracies coming decent. up. Decent. So yeah, this this is uh, this was my choice, and I picked these two because um, the first or the uh, second movie we're going to talk about, Capricorn One, um, I actually saw at the theater as a kid, and it blew my mind. And I remember watching Parallax View like late at night on um, you know one of the local over-the-air TV channels when I was a kid and and not really understanding it and liking it very much, but feeling like I had seen a thing. So uh, we're going to, we're going to, yes, clearly I had. I didn't know who Alan J. Pakula was. I didn't know who Warren Beatty was or anybody. So it was just the thing I watched. And I was like, what the fuck is going on here? So, um, well, yeah, that's what we're going to talk about. Well, what's cool about this these the the era that these movies came from is that like the country had been through not that we haven't been through some insane shit as a country recently but in the wake of uh, John Kennedy I mean the whole era the 60s John Kennedy Robert Kennedy uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, so many public figures were just blasted just shot down so assassination was a not an abstract concept, you know. Now I think it's yeah. What'd you say? Yeah, that's in the height of Vietnam. Yeah, absolutely. And like now, I think I don't know if it's because <laughs> we are so desensitized to to the, the just the concept of people being gunned down now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, like if you heard that a political official had been shot. Like that is, there was an assassination attempt in uh, where was it in uh, South America just last week? Yeah, I don't know. It was in. I know that former Japanese dude got assassinated. Right. This was in maybe Bra- maybe Brazil. I apologize for not knowing exactly where, but mm-hmm. the female prime minister was coming out at a meeting, like out of a in a crowd. And you just saw, like, in the footage, just a gun appeared, and the guy pulled the trigger, and it didn't fire. Oh, wow. It, it misfired, and they wrestled him to the ground. But that was a blip on the news radar. So we had, this is in it from an era when conspiracy theories meant something. They just weren't, like, bullshit cooked up by a corpulent circus peanut that lives in Florida. Look, man, he's the most... Uh moral president we've ever had and the most persecuted person in modern history exactly so i actually thought about that mike so like the whole um the whole thing with all those assassinations back in this era you know like the you know kennedy the kennedys and Mm -hmm. martin luther king and others but like that'd be a hell of a way to like motivate a political body by saying, mm-hmm. "All right, the last guy that said no to us, you saw the footage on the t- on TV. So, like, when we tell you to fucking jump, you just say, ask how high and fucking do it." Yeah. Um, because there hasn't. I mean, you know, we've had attempts and stuff, but like, it just, you know, in America, it's changed a little bit. But that makes me think that maybe it wasn't just lone kooks doing it. Like, it makes me believe the conspiracy theory yeah well so. i mean i think that this 
Parallax View in particular, and I, we'll get into it, but I think that it does a great job of sort of get. I think it's to me, it's saying that the Warren Commission was sort of a bit of a whitewash. Hmm. Yeah. So, but yeah. Uh, I am a yeah. bit conspiratorial by nature, which I think you are too. So, well, I mean, we both sort of grew up on that stuff. Oh hell so. yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, so but let's let's go ahead and kick everything off and let's look at from 1974 from director Alan J. Pakula, the Parallax View. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been invited here today for the official announcement of the inquiry into the death of Senator Charles Carroll. Now this is an announcement, not a press conference. Therefore, there will be no questions. A complete transcript of the investigation is being prepared for publication on March 1st. At that time, the committee will hold a full-scale press conference. After nearly four months of investigation, followed by nine weeks of hearings, it is the conclusion of this committee that Senator Carroll was assassinated by Thomas Richard Linder. It is our further conclusion that he acted entirely alone motivated by a misguided sense of patriotism and a psychotic desire for public recognition. The committee wishes to emphasize that there is no evidence of any wider conspiracy. No evidence whatsoever. Now, it's our hope that this will put an end to the kind of irresponsible and exploitive speculation conducted by the press in recent months. As I've said, the complete text of the hearings, which provides the basis for the committee's findings, will be published March 1st. When you have had a chance to examine the evidence, you will have every opportunity to ask those questions which remain unanswered, if there are any. That is all. Thank you. That scene you just heard is right after the opening sort of it's not i guess it is sort of a cold open because they don't do the titles or anything until the end it was very modern in that way it's an incredible Um, opening um so there is an assassination in the space needle in seattle and um and that scene you just heard follows immediately afterwards um and it's an amazing scene when that dude the assassin falls off the roof oh that whole fight, it was just so real. And it was terrifying being up so high because they were up on the fucking Space Needle. Yeah, it and they were running around. Cool. It didn't look like cool and everybody wasn't doing like some kind of... Well, they had on like those like suit shoes. Like yeah, dress sort of, shoes. Like federal agent shoes, you know? They were... It wasn't like sneakers or mountain climbing boots or something. I was like, Jesus Christ. They're running around up there in their floor shimes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, so, so the movie opens with that, and then it flashes forward three years. Three, I think. Yeah. And we we meet Warren Beatty. Well, we meet him at the beginning, but just briefly because he tries to get into that press conference and can't. He so, was very handsome. Yeah, oh the dude's God. not a bad looking dude. I don't think I realized how handsome he he's was. Like just, he's just like go shut up, Warren Beatty. That's how it's handsome he is. Genetic lottery, and then also I yes. think he's probably cool and. And done good work. And yeah, like been recognized for it. Um, and it's I think his head's in the right place politically because you know he made Reds and stuff like that. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, he's he's 
He's a lefty. Um, but he's also like played some like absolute like awesome characters. He, his version of Bonnie and Clyde that he did. Was oh that, yes, you know, it's just um, amazing. As good as it's going to get. I mean, yeah. Um, but anyway, he's a reporter, and he is a sort of dogged, determined, unflappable reporter who gets a hold of a thing and will not let go, much to the chagrin of his long-suffering editor, played by Hume Cronin, who I knew mostly from, like, Batteries Are Not Included in Cocoon. Huh. Um, but um, anyway, he every actor in this movie is great. Yeah, it's just... I, it's man, I'm I'm a sucker for anything from this era. Yes, but like the the naturalistic quality of all of the acting, it's just but like both ahead. movies had amazing dialogue. A hundred percent. Yeah, it was really cool to hear the dialogue. So, Mike Schoolis, tell us uh, a little bit about the director's other other works. Uh, let's see. He made Harold and June. Okay. With uh, Fred Ward. Wow. Mm. And uh, Uma Thurman, I believe. Mm. And it's like sort of notorious for its sexual content. Uh, Sophie's Choice, which was a phenom- Really? Was yeah, that him? A phenomenon huh. at the time. I had no idea that was yeah. him. Um, the Sterile Cuckoo is a movie with yeah. uh, Judy Garland's owner, Liza Minnelli. And it's a very strange movie. Yes. It's, it's one on my like list of, I sure would like to see that someday. And Clute, which I love Clute. Right, which we just watched. Yeah, you Jane and, Fonda uh, and um, Donald Sutherland. And mm-hmm. it's just like a, it's like a, I'd want to call it a pot boiler because it's, so, it's too low key to be a pot boiler. Yeah. It's like that sort of neo-noir vibe. About but a, it's really small. Very it's like small. a little small human story and quiet. Mm-hmm. It's like quiet but powerful, which I think is pretty incredible. Then, uh, well, all the president's men. Okay, you know that's, that had a little something to do with conspiracy. A, a bit, yeah. <laughs> and that what's cool is there's reference in uh, to Woodward and Bernstein. Yes, yeah. and this yeah. one, Mister Mister Hume Cronin tells him, you know, Woodward and Bernstein broke Watergate because they were. Good reporters, they weren't out trying to make stories. They just yes. reported on stories. So, um, yeah, they they checked little things like facts. Yeah, yes, I think that is what he said. I think. Yeah, yeah, they just yeah. they're interested in all the little things like facts. Yeah. So it's, I mean, he's a great director and just surround. He just cast it. It was so perfectly cast. Hume Cronin was perfect in that role. Well, Paula some Prentice of those, she's so gorgeous. Um, some of the other people in the movie, though, that were great, like the dude that comes in as the recruiter from Parallax, mm-hmm. that dude only was in like a handful of movies, and he's great. I don't remember. I remember his face, but I don't know the name of his character or who he was. Yeah, like, it's, as an but I'm just saying the dude was really good, and he didn't really do much. But he was really good. Yeah, I can't think of like a, a like an acting misstep. I like loved every. Oh, sorry. Yeah, go go. Everyone in that small town. Oh yeah, yeah. The salmon tail. Yes. <laughs> yes, salmon, salmon tail. tail. Yeah, everybody was fantastic. That sheriff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that who you who you like. 
Yeah. Maybe you shouldn't. Uh-huh. The bar fight was awesome. The bar fight was wild. Yeah. They destroyed so much breakaway furniture in that bar fight. It was Steven Seagal level. Like, it really was. And then they went into the gift shop. Yeah. And there's like a couple with like a cross. It was, it was good. I, I, I liked everything about it. And everything happened so suddenly. Like mm-hmm. I, I wrote real. it down in my notes. Because when he gets to the dam in Salmontown... Or Samatel, I looked down at the at the, the runtime and it was thirty minutes in, and he was already at that point. Like, mm-hmm. it just like rockets along. Well, I think the I think the the brilliance of it was opening it with that long pre credit sequence where you see essentially the 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 thing. I mean, that, there's there's no credits till the end. Well, it does come up and say like the parallax for you. I think at the it. end. Yeah. Is it just at the end? Yeah. Okay. Huh. There's no I thought there was a little screen? something. I, I, I didn't remember there being any credits until the end. But like the, that opening is such a, like, shocker opening. Mm-hmm. And then the dramatic, that the fight on top of the Space Needle, which yeah, is, is harrowing to me. Like, I have a <laughs> whole height issue. And that just looked, that, that was not, I don't know how they did it. Because that's not was, green screen. That's not. No. I mean, I guess you hang safety nets off the edge for, like, the people that have to clean the windows and stuff up there. Mm-hmm. So maybe that was how they did it, and they used the safety equipment for the the, uh, the maintenance crew. But it was – I did not like that. I'm very affected by that. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that, all that stuff works on me. And even though they didn't do a lot of, like, looking over the edge, they still – it was up there. We didn't have to look over the edge. It was like so clearly you could see yeah, they the were entire there. city of Seattle. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, I but, but, it, but you don't know if there's like safety stuff or if there's like right. a 20 foot ledge that you're going to be fine if you fall off that little roof or whatever. It was just terrifying to be up there. It was, plus, I think that was partly just really smart filmmaking because mm-hmm. probably knew what they could do and make it feel 100% real and mm-hmm. natural. And avoided trying to overreach and get in off into a bunch of like visual effects or something. <laughs> it, this is it, not a visual effects movie by any means. Uh, no, there's more in the second one, and even then, there's very little. It's more practical stuff. Oh, I, I, that's I'm mean, excited to talk about that. Um, so, so both of these movies, the uh, lead characters are um, investigative journalists. They're report, <laughs> reporters tracking down these sort of weird outlandish um, leads they have that um, embroil them in this, um, these sort of bizarre plots. Um, and I will tell you that my memory of Parallax View was that it was a um, Manchurian candidate sort of situation where these people were being brainwashed. And now after having watched it, I don't believe that's the case. I believe it was just finding people that would serve as like a successful patsy you know, because clearly they had actual assassins on the payroll, but what they needed was somebody who would be a believable assassin to be uh, caught and killed at the scene so that you never know that they weren't the assassin. It's um, it's a brilliant conceit. I mean... But but I did not remember that. Oh, I, I remembered didn't either. It, I remembered it being like literally Manchurian candidate like somebody would say a key code word, code word or something and you know they'd snap and become an assassin but that was never the case in this thing yeah it, it, 
it really that was one of the things that was kind of getting under my skin about it was I was thinking about how that's kind of happening now with like a lot of social media stuff and like the saturation of coverage and the saturation of, of misinformation online and through the media mm-hmm. and it's getting in people's heads and it, it would I think that they're sort of doing that to some degree now you know what I mean like no, well, I'm, not, nothing, I'm not saying it's like a government agency doing it per se. I'm just saying I think that there is a faction in the country that would love to have sort of this little armed resistance like Yeah, we, we saw them on January 6th. Exactly. Yeah. And like, because the way social media works, it creates essentially an algorithm for all the users to curate your your feed you know, mm-hmm. whether you're talking about Spotify or any like Facebook or whatever. So somebody's looking at those that data and so that algorithm somebody can analyze that algorithm and very easily do what the Parallax Corporation was doing, which is say, Oh, this is a likely candidate. Let's just really drill down on this guy and target him with even more misinformation and sort of create a Yeah, I that that little film strip he has to watch. You know, where it connects mm-hmm. all those different things. The pseudo-Ludovico techniques. Yeah, very pseudo. I think that was more just like, okay, let's test to make sure that the answers they gave are match the sort of sensations. But in my young mind, when I watched it, I thought that was a brainwashy thing. But I think that's just a further confirmation. Right. You know, because what they're really doing is looking for plausible candidates to be found dead on the scene that can be the lone gunman mm-hmm. while they're executing people right it's like you take you you took the written exam and now it's time to take the like the, the visual you have stimuli. To do the driving test right the visual point. visual stimuli exam and they're reading your responses like the anthony zerby character with the research institute with the chimpanzees who was who were taking like the most violent criminals mm-hmm. and then putting them through these psychological sort of tests that was and a cool scene that was an amazing was, scene yes um it was really cool like in both of these movies the characters are sort of in the right place at the right time and find the right evidence and then make the right connections and then mm-hmm. show up and then you know find the hidden thing or find the the lost person or whatever but it's very you know okay you get a movie i gotta let that happen but it was a you know, and, and neither did I like go. Ah, oh, this is bullshit because I was so wrapped up in it. Um, no, and I liked think, the character so much. But I think both movies too did a good job of showing the process by which they were able to sort of put the facts together. There are credits. I had started it running in the background, and there are absolutely credits at the beginning. But uh, you know what I'm saying? I think that it sh- both movies show the characters. <clears throat> the the both obviously both investigative reporters out doing the work they're doing like the legwork and gathering facts i yeah, think maybe un- even more so in uh in capricorn one because he's really sort of just reporting the story where in parallax view uh he, j- he just jumps in like you yeah. know what i mean like it's like it's the, the one undercover i'm sorry 
more gonzo journalism. Yeah, like going. It's like when somebody like Hunter Thompson going undercover with uh, the Hell's Angels. Right. That's why I said gonzo. Journalism. Yeah, I, I know. Yeah, I know, yeah, I know. Yeah. But yeah, that's. Yeah these these are just newsworthy scavenger hunts essentially. And and like you know? and like okay. kind of going something's not right and somebody telling these people like. So in Parallax View, Warren Beatty is this reporter. He's trying to do his thing. He's he's kind of down on his luck. And Paul Apprentice, who he clearly has had a relationship with, uh-huh. um, comes to see him and claims, as you heard in maybe the opening clip, um, somebody's trying to kill him. And she has developed fully the conspiracy theory that Warren Beatty then investigates. Mm -hmm. So he's not having to come up with it. He's handed it. He thinks it's bullshit. And I was fucking shocked. That was Janet Lee psycho level shocked when (laughs) two minutes later, she's dead. Yes. Uh I was like, what? She's a big deal. Like how the fuck? So that was surprising. And even at that point, he was sort of, I think, wondering is there really anything to it still but as he starts to dig in he's digging in i mean he's all about exposing corrupt police because when we first meet the warren Beatty character he has lied gotten into a couple's house because i think he knows the cops are coming to raid him <laughs> look he needs his parrot he lost his parrot it, it's hiding he's just looking for his parrot he's pining, shy he's pining for the field pining for the fjords um and so he's just there, and he just is like in the cop's face about all that stuff. And yeah. And he goes, "You not only not only are you crooked, you're also filthy. Look at you!" And he's like touching <laughs> the cops. And they're like, "Motherfucker!" and stuff. And this was really good. Well, he's, so, it's, so he's, but but he has an editor that believes in him, and you know, slowly yeah. like he he proves himself back to his editor. Apparently, he's had like a drinking problem in the past mm-hmm. and gone through some stuff. He licked so. it though. He said. Pardon? He said, but you licked that. Oh, yeah. I thought that was cool. That was. Yeah, Hugh the, Cronin is great in this. I just loved him so much. He is. Like, just salty. And where he's on screen now, mm-hmm. like, we're sitting here and it's running in the background. Yeah, he's he's salty and, and, and like, you know, cantankerous, but not to, in a caricature-ish way. No. It's not like J. Jonah Jameson... No. Yeah. Pounding the desk and screaming, Parker! <laughs> but he fully looks the part sitting at that desk with his like cap on. I he love the like whole he's thing. He's probably been sitting at that edit- editor's desk for 40 years. Yeah, absolutely. And just like, you know, has, has seen it all, nonplussed by everything. And, and kind like, of getting close to the end where what he really wants to do is maybe just. He's like, I'm getting too old for this shit, you know. I got a oh, boat, a fishing boat. Me and my wife, we're gonna go cruise around the world. You it's know, it's that whole way. thing. It's very much like, just like Jesus Christ, Freddy. Can't you just like stop with all this bullshit? All I want you to do is do this very simple story. Right. Go and, down. Was it like? Go report on that war where some people were killed or something like that. He yeah, it was just. Well, there was the thing where he was talking about a tanker full of 
gas or something, uh, propane. Yes, and the whole and town wrecked. had been evacuated. Yeah, that yeah. was, I think, parallax. That, yeah. yeah, I think it I was. I think so. Because, there, yeah, there's a remarkably similar scene with the yes. But it's Galveston, Texas, yes. right? <laughs> like, <laughs> and I will say the David Doyle performance in Capricorn 1 might be my favorite thing in that whole movie. Oh, man, he's good. I, kept, I saw his name in the credits at the beginning, and I was like, where is he, where is he, where is he? And I was looking. You know, well, he's, and there was, are certain actors, and I was thinking this when you talked about um, Warren Beatty going to the lab and, and talking to Anthony Zerby. Mm-hmm. Anthony Zerby is one of those actors, I don't know why, he just makes, like, I like him so much, and I always think he's doing something interesting. Mm-hmm. And so every time I see him pop up in a movie, it just sort of makes me happy. Yeah. Almost in the same way that like Harry Dean Stanton or somebody does. I'm like, because I'm like, oh, from Omega Man, here is Anthony Zervi, or from uh, uh, the the movie about Devil's Island, uh, Papillon. Because Anthony, oh wow, Zerby, yeah, Anthony Zerby's amazing in that. And so when I see him pop up, I'm always like, oh, here we go. And then David Doyle's the same way for me. It's like that voice. Yeah. And that demeanor is that sort of, I don't know. I just. But that was just like the best. But that's the next movie. We'll say right, that. Right. Then. Um, get the cart ahead <laughs> of the horse here. So um, th- there are some incredible little moments. There's a thing where Warren Beatty is up in that town we were talking about, Salmon Tail. And he b- b- ends up getting running afoul of the local law enforcement, and that's putting it mildly. But he steals the sheriff's car, and he's driving it around through mud and stuff and it's this amazing car chase and he ends up crashing it into a grocery store that car like does some sweet jump too yeah it was awesome and that grocery store crash that looked like some it was chinese awesome. level shit where they just don't care yeah because it came through that fucking wall and there were human beings all over <laughs> they were the close too they were yeah all over the place. <laughs> like I was one like, of those shopping carts could have flown over and taken somebody out I was astounded by that. That was wild. It was really good. The thing is, when you say he ran afoul of... Well, that's me trying to keep something. Oh, but that whole whole scene was really great because that he ran in the back and you heard all of the uh, sirens going on. Mm -hmm. And he jumped into that red truck. Just like right... It was just so smooth and then got out of the situation. Mm -hmm. That was luck. Yeah, there's yeah. moments like that in it too like after the plane thing where he's oh, on yeah. the plane where you see all the people walking out of the thing and the camera's panning along the fence you see them walking and you see it okay here's these people these people these people there's Warren Beatty and they move along and then when it gets down to the end Warren Beatty's not there and then you see another little truck just drive off and you're like oh he must have hopped in that truck but you don't see it but it's like so yeah. slick um and speaking of the plane scene, I'd like to talk a little bit about that because that whole thing blew my mind. That was a great sequence. It was a great sequence, and it was so visually told. There was no dialogue that said, mm-hmm. I think he's got a bomb. I think there's a thing. What's going on? You literally watched that dude, the, the assassin guy, go to an abandoned Mustang, take a suitcase out of it, drive to the airport, um put it in the baggage thing, mm-hmm. walk through the metal detector, go back, do all that stuff. And Warren Beatty's watching him and he's like, what the fuck's going on? Well executed. And, but like he walks out onto the tarmac, goes into the plane, finds a seat. And then the stewardess comes up and goes, yes, sir. What is your name? And writes it down. And he pays her 60 bucks for a plane ticket. 
$68. And I was is like... Is that not astounding? It is astounding that that's how air travel <laughs> used to work. It was, like, it was like catching a bus. It was that like catching so cool. a bus yeah, or getting on a thing. commuter train or something I, where I you get on and pay the conductor. You just like find a free seat. I had no idea... Like, were there not reserved seats? Like, where you now that somebody comes in an hour late, well, what about people that might have pre bought their ticket? Yeah. They're, they clearly weren't kind of going, oh, wait, we got too many here. Click, click. You can't come <laughs> in, sir. They're just like, eh, fuck. There wasn't a person watching. He just walks in, finds a seat. Were there even metal detectors that you would walk through back then? Like, there I don't were know. In this movie. Were there? Yeah. Like, I don't remember that. But in the movie, there's the moment because okay. the dad leaves the oh, bomb yeah, 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 and then he walks in and has to go through the metal detector. Yeah. Um, it was just so easy. It's just wild to me that that's how that works. Well, I guess you could you used to be able to meet everyone at the gate, like at their gates. Oh, yeah. You know, I remember yeah. that. Walk them to the gate mm-hmm. and bring them back from the gate. Yeah. yeah. And now you can't get down the terminal at all without it. Was that ticket. September 11th that yeah. they stopped yeah. that? Yeah. The, um, what is it, Mike? The, the whatever act? Patriot uh, Act? The Patriot Act, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, but that was really wild. But the way that whole scene was put together was mm-hmm. just fucking brilliant. There was a lot in this movie that was done with with little dialogues, little to like, no, yeah, yeah, just like action and follow, and it just was like so perfectly put together, so perfectly <laughs> shot and edited, and the, the way the action flowed. I Miss mean, Gordon Willis was the DP, mm-hmm. so I mean, you're really not going to get much better pedigree than that i mean it was so muted understated and like confidently handled everything was just like no no i trust the audience Mm -hmm. it wasn't hold on i need to spoon feed this bit to them it was all of it was like fuck it they'll keep up this is what's going on and play along i'm trusting you audience and fuck it was good and i I swear to god i think that's where things changed from the 70s into the 80s i think that it just became more like which i mean a part of that is obviously the advent of uh test screenings and all that kind of stuff where they say well let's play it for people in a mall and wherever and see what they think honestly dude i think it's blockbusters like jaws and stuff where like lightning strikes and then they're kind of going, all right, this next one needs to be Jaws-level success. So we need to yeah, fucking for sure. shine this thing up and take off all the rough edges, and we need to make sure this thing is... And it's Jaws wasn't a hit because of it being all the rough edges being smoothed off. It was because it was just fucking lightning in a bottle. It's lightning in a bottle, and it's just a masterpiece it's just put together so well but this is put together perfectly i mean nothing right needed but this to was be changed, also but like uh, the idea of it seems like I, I, i'm about to say something that i'm going to contradict myself directly <laughs> because i was going to say it's harder probably to get something small like because this is a weird mix of a very small intimate story but it's about something that is gigantic it's like mm-hmm. something about affecting the course of the nation and national security and all this stuff but the way it's handled it's it's a it's feels intimate because you're just right in there with Warren Beatty mm-hmm. even though the forces he's sort of battling are but you know, he never true. really faces those forces we never really the cover is never really peeled back 
it, there's a lot of implications. So the whole right. face of the Parallax Corporation is that one recruiter. You don't right. know. And no one ever steps in and go, hey, look, we need to get, take care of these things. And this is an important way. Nobody tries to have him come to, you know, join me, Luke, and we will ru- rule the right. universe together. There's none of that. It's literally he is outside of it trying to get a peek through the fucking fence and he can't. It's kind of the man that knew too much. Mm-hmm. Well, but he doesn't know too much. He knows something's up. He has suspicions, but that's what's so wild about but it. The man it's, who doesn't well, know when to quit. Then. <laughs> it's well done because that they're going from all of these different great locations and sets mm-hmm. and scenes. So, like, you see him also, like, going up the stairs and then out the window. Mm-hmm. And, like you said, it's just shot really well. And, and completely visually tall. Mm-hmm. Like, no... Yeah, that thing where he's in the sheriff's house and he escapes, like you're saying. Yeah, and then he finds out what that secret is, yeah. you know, like with the conspiracy. And he's like, the start of it, you know, mm-hmm. and he's like, all right. There's something like, to this. This mm-hmm. is connected. Yeah. It was great. Like, stole the car, drove mm-hmm. away. I, I, it was really, really good. And, without spoiling it, one of those punch-in-the-gut 70s endings. Mm-hmm. Wait, so... Maybe this is too much, but... Well, say it, okay. and we can okay. cut it. So. But, like, when he goes into a certain location and there's, like, the flashing and, like, of all of the visuals... Yes. Can we say that? The thing or where no? there's kind of, like, the brainwashing. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah, yeah, we okay. talked a little bit about Okay, that, so. I mean, that part was wild, and yeah. it's just, like, gradually goes from, like you know subtleties and like love and like certain things but then mm-hmm. it's like violence 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 and like all just like wild like shit yeah. yeah they were that was a uh, uh they were assessing his mental state i think and that the boxes he had to keep his hands on were measuring like his pulse rate probably perspiration level this was essentially a lie detector thing that was like gauging how these different visuals and words were like affecting him yeah. so they could really determine is this a guy that we can like pin an assassination on trust to kill somebody well but <laughs> none of those even, dudes yeah. killed anybody yeah. you know it's just like i don't know it's wild um so my notes here was did you notice at the end there's a moment near the end where he's at the parallax corporation and um the the assassin dude walks out and like takes a right and then Warren Beatty comes out behind him and takes a right and there was like a weird little jump cut did you notice it so the camera's locked down and the bushes are like blowing and everything and the dude walks out and turns and all of a sudden he goes and the bushes are in a different position and Warren Beatty walks out it was like maybe when they filmed it they let too much time go between the one and the other and they were like ah just cut cut a half second out of the middle there it'll be fine and it's weird I was like the fuck just happened there? And I actually backed it up and watched it again to see if I had had a stroke or something. Like that. <laughs> so. uh, but, I mean, this to me is like 70 movie, 70s movie all the way, where it's got yeah. like this awesome thing. you got to keep up. you got to pay attention. And then at the end, it just kicks you right in the teeth. Yeah. So I, I love this sort of shit. I'm a, I'm a total sucker for this. I mean, every, every, all of the movies, that like stuff like this... Uh, night moves, mm. drowning pool, hardcore. But I mean, drowning pool. That's eighties, isn't it? I don't think. I think it's like uh, mid seventies. Uh, okay. Paul, you're talking about the Paul Newman flick, right? 
No, I was. What am I thinking of? The one, the Dirty Harry. Deadpool. That. Uh, no, Deadpool's the one with Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> but I do think it's called a Deadpool. It's okay. one of the Dirty Harry movies. It's the one that has Liam Neeson as a. Uh, a I've never writer. seen it. I oh, well, I saw Sudden Impact. That was the last one, and I saw. I think it might be the only one I saw at the theater. I did see that in the theater also, but I did not like the. Yeah, the Deadpool from Clint. Yeah, eighty eight okay. is I think the last Dirty Harry movie. Okay, and it's. It's okay. It's fine. And it should be great because it's about murders around a film set that are filming a horror movie. And mm-hmm. Liam Neeson is like this shitty director with his head up his ass because mm-hmm. he had like one successful movie and now he thinks he's an auteur. Mm-hmm. So he's a real prick. And yeah, I've never not, seen it. It's just not fun. Did um, Charles Pierce write any dialogue for it? I don't think so. Well, then that's why it wasn't good. It wasn't good for that very reason. So we've we've talked a little bit here about the parallax view. So let's um, let's turn away from that and let's move on to 1977's Capricorn One. You don't really think you're going to get away with this? Well, I don't know. It's a chance. Maybe it's not a very good one, but it's a chance. Who knows about this? Almost nobody. Houston is monitoring the actual flight. All the telemetry is coming from the uh, command module. So are your voices and the medical data. We recorded everything from the practice simulations. They don't know. All we need from you is the actual television transmissions during the flight and the Mars landing. That's all. Just the television transmissions. That's all. Just the television transmissions. We inserted a change in the onboard computer so the spacecraft will land 200 miles off target when it returns to Earth. You'll be flown to an island near that point. From there, you'll be transferred to a helicopter. The helicopter will fly you to the space capsule and you'll be put inside. It'll take the recovery forces a minimum of an hour and a half to reach the splashdown site. By then, you will be inside the capsule. When the prime recovery carrier arrives, they'll find you inside the capsule and take you out of the spacecraft. You thought of everything? I don't know. I hope so. Of course, you're sure we'll go along, right? No, I'm not. What if we say no? I don't know. Don't say no. When does Alan Funt come running in and tell us we're all on candid camera? Oh, Jesus. You think I like this? You think I really believe I'm standing here in this craziness telling you about patching and tape recordings and telemetry and an island 200 miles from the target zone? I, I don't know what the hell I'm doing either. I just care so goddamn much. I think it's worth it. I'm not even sure of that. I just think it. I think I'm going to throw up. Well, that'll solve everything. What's this all going to solve? It'll keep something alive that shouldn't die. Before you all begin to moralize, you take a look around. You look at what we've done and how much more we can do. You look at what we've meant to this country. Nobody gives a crap about anything anymore. 
People close their garages and triple lock their doors, they hide under the beds. They're even afraid to turn on their television sets for fear of what they might find out in the evening news. There's nothing more to believe in. Now, you want to blow this whole thing wide open? God knows what it might do to everybody. I'm sorry. I'm so goddamn sorry. I just don't know what else to do. I'm hanging on by my fingernails, just like everybody else. Go on. You, you want to be the ones who give everyone another reason to give up? Go on. This is really wonderful. But we go along with you and lie our asses off in a world of truth and ideals is uh, protected. But we don't want to take part in some giant ripoff of yours, and somehow or other we're managing to ruin the country. You're pretty good, Jim. I'll give you that. No, no, no. You're twisting my words. Don't sell yourself short. Don't sell the program short. Don't oversell it. I'm not so sure that canceling a flight or uh, cutting off appropriations means America folds up. It's not as simple as that, and you know it. I don't know it. If the only way to keep something alive is to become everything I hate, I don't know if it's worth keeping it alive. Please, Brew, don't talk like that. What the hell's the matter with you? Please, Brew, don't talk like that. I don't think this is right. All the rest is bullshit. You have to help. What do you mean, I have to? You have to help. But what if I don't? Please, don't put me in a corner. You're crazy. You know that? You know that? You're crazy. You've got us in the middle of this nut house, and you don't want to be put in a corner? Your families. What about our families? Please, you have to help. What about our families? You have to help. Oh, shit, this thing is out of my hands. You think it's all a couple of loony scientists. It's not. It's bigger. There are people out there, forces out there, who have a lot to lose. They're grown-ups. It's gotten too big. It's in the hands of grown-ups. What about our families? They're flying back from the Cape to Houston. They're all together on the plane. No, you're not serious. Please. Brew, don't make me. You son of a bitch, tell me. They're on the plane together, goddammit. You want it in writing? There's a device. It's on the plane, too. There's some people, if I don't give them the all-clear signal, they'll explode it. Don't you understand? It doesn't have to be like this. You have to help. It's gotten out of control. It's too big. You wouldn't. Tell me you wouldn't. I, I can't tell you that, Brew. So I was thinking, is that little plastic chair going to hold OJ up? He's a big man. He's a big man. <laughs> we could not help but make jokes through that movie, too, with OJ. Even though I loved the movie and thought it was great, but like, when they're, not going, good at it, they're going through the survival kit. Oh, totally. He's trying to, to hand good. him a gun, and, he's, and I was thinking, no, I'm more of a knife guy. <laughs> well, it was funny. That was really funny where he goes here, he, he, who wants the gun? And, and um, Sam Watterson says, I'd shoot my foot. And then they goes, what about you? Hands it to OJ. He goes, ah, I'd shoot his foot. That made me laugh out loud. And I, yeah. yeah, I thought yeah. that was really good. But OJ is not good in this movie. He does like, so little. And I mean, th- there's a reason they didn't make him do much because he was not great. Yeah. That whole thing where he was hallucinating and trying to dig down to the water was just... And Wait, he's but, crying and stuff. And I was like, you know, he was charming in um, what was that? Not Die Hard um, movie that we saw, the Towering Inferno. Oh yeah, 
Oh, yeah, um, yeah. Our disaster episode. Yeah. No, he's charming. Yeah, sure. he was great in that, I remember. And he's but, great in Naked Gun. But this, mm-hmm. he was not. No. He did not bring the charm. No. This was. Well, it was a very underwritten character, too. I mean, to be fair, maybe if they had, if they had given him more, he could have done more, or, I mean, that's. You could argue either way. They didn't give him much to do because he wasn't very good. But this is post Brian's song and like all the. No, that's Billy D though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's what was the big thing that he did? Like he, he had a, uh, ran through the airport for Hertz. Oh that's yeah, right. that was great. Sold rental cars or rented <laughs> cars. Uh, okay. Anyway. But um, no, he was when he was on the highway. Had that white Bronco. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Him and XC. Um, so Capricorn One sort of uh, rejiggers the the like standing conspiracy theory that Stanley Kubrick and the American government faked the moon landing, um, and sort of takes that and then expands on it. So this is um, a manned mission to Mars, the Capricorn One mission, and led by Hal Holbrook, who's great in this. Oh, um, I love Hal Holbrook. And they're going to send these three astronauts up there and. There is a, a. They discover that the life support system will not actually get them there and back. So what they decide to do, because they can't scrub the mission, because if they scrub the mission, they're not going to get another chance. So what they have to do is fake that it worked, so they can keep the whole program going. Um, and there's threats and violence and stuff and things are going to happen. And you better watch out. And you better do what I say. And it's Better this whole cry. shady thing. And meanwhile, you have Elliot Gould and Karen Black occasionally mm-hmm. um, looking into what's going on. And that now, sweet little t- 280Z. Yes. There were great characters that it just was. shot up and you were like, oh, okay. Oh, look, it's that guy. Oh, yeah. yep. And okay. such good dialogue. Mm. Such punchy dialogue. The writing was fantastic. Yeah. That first time you meet him and Karen Black when they're at the house. And they're over at the like uh, canteen cart getting food, and and he's like, and she's going, why don't you just say you want to jump me or whatever? And he goes, well, would that work? And she goes, well, it's going to work better than saying we're going to have to, you know, someone I can share my life with. I loved that. It was great. <laughs> um, really, really excellent dialogue. Now I will say, Mike, the cinematography in this, it's like the dude wasn't looking through the viewfinder, and like there were enormous stretches of scenes that were out of focus. There were just like you a lot of low the, angle like point of views. Like, you know who really the DP weird. was though? No. It was Bill Butler who shot Jaws. Okay. Yeah. I don't I've never heard that name before, so I didn't know anything. Yeah. But it I was mean, not good. Also we can romanticize Jaws. I do think it's one of the greatest movies, but it did have tons of production issues, you know. Oh, like, 100%. You know, like it's yeah. Like, yeah, but it doesn't Young matter Mr. Spielberg overreach. <laughs> it doesn't matter if it what the production budget. issues were. If it turned out like Jaws turned out then that's what I mean though that's when I say lightning in a bottle because that yeah. should not have worked on a Mm-mm. thousand different levels but uh-huh. it did um, it's true but what also worked was Capricorn one but maybe on less weight levels than um, Jaws um, so um, there were so many like character actors in this that you'd see and kind of go oh shit look at that uh-huh. so like main one to me Mike was James Sicking from from yes, Hill, Hill Street, Street Blues. Blues and Barbara Basson from Hill Street, from Hill Street Blues. Blues. And I'd yeah. seen her name in the credits and I kept waiting for it and waiting for it because I would look at the other, the astronauts' wives and I was kind of going, she is none of those people. And I was like, well, that's weird. I swear I saw her name in the credits and then she, sh- you know, showed up. 
that shit was wild. The lady in the apartment that was cleaning her oven. Uh-huh. When that they, whole setup, though, where yeah. it's like, my friend lives here. And she's that like, was, I don't know what the fuck you're right. talking yeah. about. And all those magazines. Another visual storytelling thing, yeah, where he's picking up the magazines scene. and just seeing the address label. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Which well, nowadays opening, people would be like, what's a magazine? Like, <laughs> I still get magazines. <laughs> The opening thing where they're at the launch and the politicians are coming in and it's David Huddleston, the Big Lebowski. That dude is <laughs> fucking amazing. In yes, this movie. and James Karen. Come on. Yeah, as straight the vice president, from, straight from you need a medical supply mm-hmm. in Louisville, Kentucky, home of the <laughs> Barrel of Tar Man. Right. Well, yeah, just. Another actor that makes me smile when he comes on camera is James Karen. Well, and to see him playing like a that level of character, the vice president, that's yeah. wild. Because, I mean, you know, him in Return of the Living Dead is just sort of a, he's a goofball. So it's <laughs> so good at it, though. So so the, what happens is the, the government, NASA, they fly these astronauts out to the middle of the desert out in Arizona. And, um, or they went somewhere. To Mars. Or where? They went to Mars, Marty. Oh, that's right. It was Mars. I apologize. <laughs> so they fly him out to an abandoned military base where they have set up a like a very small section of Martian uh, surface. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they have a lander on it, and they have cameras and all these giant Klieg lights and all these scrims and things, and it's everything's on like almost on fire because those fucking lights are so hot. And they are the set. The, they have a one of the landers. They are uh, the the command module thing that they can shoot some stuff inside of, and they're going to fake all this stuff. So at a certain point, the astronauts who have been hiding out and faking all this stuff in the desert have to get into the the the, the recovery vehicle the like that's going to splash down, and then they're going to be recovered. So there's all this great stuff with like them communicating and and like um, James Brolin. We should say it's James Brolin, Sam Watterson, and um, O.J. Simpson are the actors. Orenthal James Simpson. And so so they've been faking all this stuff, and then when it's time for them to go back to to their capsule so they can be pulled out of the ocean, people in power decide, well. We can't really risk these guys telling the, the public what's really going on. So the you you start seeing everything going wrong, you know, and like you see their life meters and stuff, which are all fake, being like flatlined and stuff, and like their heat shield fell off in re-entry, and they they all died. They so killed them off. They they killed them off. But even while this is all happening, the astronauts are all in an airplane flying somewhere, and you're like. Oh shit! They're gonna kill them because they're dead. They can't mm-hmm. have these people show up anywhere. So the last what half of the movie is a chase scene, yeah. really. And you have Elliot Gould, the reporter, trying Who's to dig fantastic. into. He's amazing. He's, he's always great. He's trying to dig into things and and solve this riddle. He's all over the fucking place. I actually looked up that um, Flat Rock, Arizona, and. Um, Houston, Texas, which is where he was. And so it was like, it is like three states. Because you got to go all the way through like oh, yeah. New Mexico. It's far. And then go into Arizona to get to Flat Rock. And Houston is 
all the fucking way over in the Gulf of Mexico. So it's just like it's a... It's such a big state. It's a big state. It's a long fucking way. And he's like talking to Brenda Vaccaro in Houston. And then he's immediately in Flat Rock. And I was like, the fuck is... <laughs> how is this dude getting around so much? But anyway, so Elliot Gould's trying to track down what's going on. And meanwhile, you've got all the, the astronauts escaping. And there is a thing where they steal like a jet and they take off to get away. And they fucking hit a, a car <laughs> on the runway and break the landing gear off. And they, clearly, this was a mechanical effect. Something happened. I doubt they would have really risked that. It looked real. It looked like the plane took off and broke its landing gear off. Yes. It was pretty wild. The airplane and helicopter stunts in the last half of this movie blew my fucking yeah mind. shout out to I, those guys those those guys were the mvps of this movie to me that was 100%. amazing <laughs> yeah my I like we've not. talked about dirty harry crazy larry or dirty mary, mary and crazy, crazy larry. larry which had some fucking astounding stunt scenes it did i believe this is right up there with it some oh, of that i think this had transcends it because oh, i i felt the same way but i didn't want to just shit on yeah. it uh, uh, you're not because this stuff is like and and there has there are moments that has to be model work but it, it is some of the most astoundingly well integrated miniatures that like i know there's a i don't want again i don't know i don't want it to be too spoilery there's a thing where a couple of air craft hit the side of a mountain that was model work. Had that to be. was model yeah, work. Yeah. But like God those, damn, the, it looked real. Where the runners of the helicopter are hitting the upper wing of that the biplane. Mm -hmm. That was, and you could again, you could sort of fake that a little bit because you could do it as an inset. Right. You know what I mean? Without them. But then you the do air. the reverse angle shot, and it's real. They're doing it, and it's like, <laughs> and there was, and I'm, it's not James Brolin, but there's a guy on a fucking wing, you know, awesome. on a wing, and that plane dove down into that I, it was like watching the hoth battle in it, empire strikes real. back with the camera track the way the cameras were tracking the flight I, of all of these vehicles it i was, couldn't believe it it was the most amazing i mean it was a great shot that whole that. and it was lengthy that chase was lengthy yes. but it was so fucking great and nerve jangling because really great keep your goddamn head down but and, and that's all post the fucking fight in the gas station and stuff, uh -huh. you know, mm -hmm. which was great. And, and again, no dialogue. He breaks into that case, like splashing water in his face. Cause he's been in the desert, breaks into the office. He goes to the phone. He's like, what am I going to do? He breaks into the Coca-Cola machine. He gets a quarter out so he can make a phone call. You're watching his wife leave the house to go to the fucking ceremony. To his funeral. To his yeah. well, yeah, exactly. And he's like, and you're, and the phone's ringing in the empty house, and it was not one goddamn bit of dialogue explaining what's. He didn't go, oh god, where can I get a quarter? Where can I? Yeah. Oh, the Coca-Cola machine, and he runs over and does that. It was all just like, keep up, motherfucker. And then you see that helicopter coming in in the background. Two of them. Yeah, and you're yeah through the windows. Yeah, like the, like great. you you see them even before he hears them. Yeah, because he's in there doing his thing, trying to make a phone call, trying to get somebody, and then you see the helicopters through the window, mm -hmm. and then like he starts to go. You can tell he's he hears something, and so it's. I mean, it's I, so I, I, you said there might have been some stuff out of focus that I didn't notice, but like I thought the cinematography because I guess I'm counting the aerial stuff as well. Yeah. 
and stuff like that. Just the shot framing. There is a shot where that was straight out of like Bird with Crystal Plumage because there's a thing where Elliot Gould goes into that hangar and it's completely dark and he yes. opens the door and the sunlight streams in around him yep. before he starts turning and it's like this little tiny door down in the corner of this giant black mm-hmm. screen. And I love that scene because he walks oh. in and finds that, that medallion thing. Yeah, yeah. And when Brolin used that and started taking the hinge pins out. They didn't explain that. He didn't say, hey, maybe we can get this door off the hinges and we can escape that way. Well, one of the writers on this is David Geiler, who... Oh, I didn't even notice that he did yeah. Alien. Yeah. So, I mean, great writing pedigree. I'm a, a Peter Himes fan. I think Hell Outland, yeah. Outland Time is... Time Cop. Outland is ridiculously it is really underrated. Good. Sean distant, Connery. Distant yeah. Thunder. Oof. Yes. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. Also, yeah. guys, The Relic. It, I love The Relic, and he did that. I don't... Which one is the relic? It came out in like '96. Okay. Uh, it's a monster movie in the Museum of Natural History yeah. in Chicago. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Got, I got it. Yep. That's one of my faves. That's no. a great like Saturday. Well, he's movie. so fucking cool too. Like that mm-hmm. dude is just cool. What was the documentary we watched that had him in there in that T-shirt? Was it? Was it the sci-fi? Was it, oh. was it the special? Was, uh, he's definitely in the sci-fi thing, the, yeah. In Search of Tomorrow. I think that's it, what it was. It was In Search of Tomorrow because he okay. was in there yeah. a lot. A lot. Because he did 2010 and he did Time that's Drop. Right. Yeah. And he, mm-hmm. he has done, and the, I mean, uh, Outland. He's the science fiction guy. I mean, to some, to some extent. <laughs> well, and then his son did that awesome uh, Universal Soldier or whatever that thing was we watched. Oh, that's right. Oh, I the forgot one with, about uh, that. With the really Olofsky, bad. Andre Olofsky yes. in it. Yeah. I hope. Retribution, something like that. That Universal sounds right. Something yeah. Like that. I, don't I just huh. pray that uh, Josh Brolin has a son who's as badass as him and his father. Because James Brolin is so damn good and so cool. And, but also know. like the shit where his wife is reading this paper that their son wrote, and he's crying, like that shit I'm, was great. He's yeah. he's amazing, and he can do, he can be that big stoic, cool guy. Hell, he can do that and be a soft, sensitive mm-hmm. person in the same movie, obviously, because mm-hmm. he does it in this, and he's just awesome. He's always but, good. But Mike, what if he were faced by a car that was actually the devil? He would destroy it, and it would be <laughs> awesome to watch. I'd like had to that, see. I'd like to see evidence of that. Well, we just the, what, after Capricorn went off the other night. I looked at Dylan. I said, "You got to see the car." Has he not seen that? He, we have not seen that. Yet. Oh wow! It's just dude. Been, but yeah, it's great. Um, Sudden death. Another. Uh, now, there's one on here that I will say on the Himes filmography that I did not like. End of days. Oh, I actually oh, just wow. watched that not too long ago. It's it's not terrible. I saw that at the theater. I really disliked it, but also I did too. But it might be a different thing now, you know. Yeah, now I might like it. Sudden Death is a fucking gem. I love that movie. Yeah, I don't know it. Um, that was a Jean Claude Van Damme. Okay. Powers Booth. Oh shit! Is the bad guy. Um, he has a mustache. I'm it's interested. Great. I don't know why it's not been chosen for the podcast. <laughs> yeah. 
All right, there is a, this is a quick aside. Uh, we are going to be watching a movie. Shit, I can't. Let me find my phone so I can tell you the name of it. But Dylan's ordered it, and it is directed by Jim Wynorski. <laughs> he told me about it. I did. He did. Dylan. Okay. Yeah. What is it? Do you remember? I thought it was awesome. He messaged me on uh, Instagram, and I immediately bought it as well. I found it for four dollars on Instagram. Oh, what is it called? I mean, on um, eBay. What's it called? Um, hold on. Something vengeance. Something. Final voyage. And he was. Final voyage. Yeah, it's with Ice Cube and um, Erica Elenak. Okay. And Dylan Walsh. Yeah. No, I think that that may be a different one. one. (laughs) Oh, maybe he was just looking at it and he was like. Gary Busey and. Here it is. Gary Busey. This is bait. It's called Eye of the Tiger and it does feature Eye of the Tiger and it's directed by Jim Wynorski and it is. It is essentially like Mad Max meets Die Hard kind of thing. Like, uh, dude, that movie's good. You've seen it? Yeah. I can't believe you asked if she has seen it. Well, I'm just checking. Gary Busey. Gary Busey is like a Vietnam vet who comes home, and this biker gang has taken over his town, led by William Smith, and he's got to okay. he's got to take the town back. <laughs> Does he have to get him? He will. It's kind of like if, the park if, is mine a little bit. Oh, okay. if I William, like the park is mine. Yeah, if William Smith is as drunk in this as he was in Gediman, he won't have too much trouble. <laughs> but this is like the young, like chiseled up or younger, chiseled up looking Gary Busey. Like, yeah, pre accident. Yeah, pre motorcycle accident. Uh-huh. There's not that look in his eye where, like, he didn't have those horse's teeth like uh, inserted into him. <laughs> This coffee is horrible. It's not that bad. It is. It's that bad. Don't drink it. I'm always unwrapping things. I wake up and take the cellophane off the drinking glass, the soaps in the Holiday Inn wrapper. Even the toilet has a paper band on it with a nice little note from the hotel saying they put the band on the toilet for my protection. I'm always afraid that if I stay in bed too long, the maid's going to walk in the room and put a paper band around me and the bedspread. I don't mind. You wait. After a while, you won't know what city you're in. I defy anyone to tell me the difference between the Holiday Inn in Houston and the Holiday Inn in Cincinnati. The rooms are the same. The music in the elevators is the same. Even the ladies with too much makeup in the coffee shop are the same. You never know where you are until after breakfast when you read the paper. I don't mind it. Well, I don't mind it that much either. It's just that I would like it all to be with someone I care for. Someone I could share it with. Bullshit. You're so damn cynical. I'm not cynical. It's just that your act could use a little polish. What do you mean by that? Well, Liz Haller, for starters. It was the California primary. I believe you used the one about both of you being witnesses to the unfolding of history. You have to admit that's a little better than soap wrappers. You think all I want to do is jump you? Yes. You would know sincerity if it ran over you. Not if you were driving it. I'm glad I'm not like you. I have better legs. Okay, I give up. Don't give up so easily. Just change your approach. What approach would you like? How about something like, um, I would like to jump you. I think that would work. Stands a better chance than wanting to share a meaningful life together. I would like to jump you. Go jump yourself. So, y'all, so like when, 
the astronauts are out in the desert after they crash land their plane and they're trying to escape and they each go like in a cardinal direction to try to escape and to not be together there's a moment where james brolin crawls up in a cave to hide from the helicopters Ooh. and there is a fucking rattlesnake <laughs> and i looked that up because i was because it looked real it looks so gross real. and i found a herpetologist website that spoke specifically to that scene. So the snake he sees and the snake that's striking mm -hmm. at his hand was a different snake entirely than the snake that he killed. Okay. But they said that was a real dead snake that he cuts open. It looked so, gross. So and that was like real. But what they it? did is they put raw fish inside the dead snake oh. so that he could eat it. Man, he definitely... Got diarrhea from that scene. I it was, just, it, was believe, it looked so fucking real. <laughs> it was so, it looked so just covered real. in ketchup. <laughs> and his acting in that was fucking amazing. Yeah, yeah. and like, he was all like gross and sunburned oh, and dirty. So, but he was also like gonna die if he doesn't get some like there was no water and something. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. That whole was rough. For the snake was. <laughs> O.J. Simpson, when he was dehydrated, I was like, man, that's what I feel like when I'm hungover. It's <laughs> exactly what I, felt, that's what I felt like yesterday. <laughs> um, I would murder somebody for some orange juice. <laughs> yes, what would you do for a Klondike bar? <laughs> oh, you, you don't want to know. You don't want to know. Um, then at the end, there is a scene, and we, we won't get into specifics on it, but there is a ceremony going on, and the president is fucking there. He is making a speech. And apparently you could just drive a fucking car up and just start running <laughs> towards the president and nobody's going to fucking shoot you or run after you or anything. And, I, you know, like those areas are controlled and cordoned and oh, limited. Yeah, You're yeah. not just going to drive up to this the place where the president is. post-JFK. Yeah. I'm just like, mm, that's silly. But it was still a, a great ending. You come running up with a t-shirt on that says the Parallax Corporation. Exactly. <laughs> so, but this movie was great. I think yeah. figuring out how, with the reporter, mm -hmm. and how he uh, extracted the information to figure out what was going on mm -hmm. was my favorite part of this movie. Well, you had the dude at NASA, the, whatever, Walt, Walt Weldon or something, the last dude, the dude's Robert last Walden. Name, Robert Walden. That yeah. his character was amazing because he was like just a science nerd working at NASA, and he's noticing discrepancies and he's calling it to the, to their attention, and they're like, "Well, yeah, we'll have that checked." Uh -huh. But clearly, this dude's a problem that's going to have to be dealt with permanently. You know, it's like well, he can't just let that go. Hal Holbrook is so good at playing that kind of villain. Yeah, that sort of like. Where he's he's really just playing the oh shucks I hate yeah oh shucks kind of thing but like if you if you can't damn it Jim if you can't cooperate then they're gonna kill your whole family right <laughs> and he seems he always makes you seem like mildly sympathetic like you're all, he's like he's like tell it to call you Billy <laughs> oh we talked about that actually we talked about the scene where they were on the the Martian set. Mm -hmm. And uh, James Brolin, Hal Holbrook, O.J. Simpson, and Sam Waterston. <laughs> like, we were saying that like Sam Waterston married to a serial killer and serial mom. O.J. killed his wife and the waiter. James Brolin flipped out in the uh, the house and killed 
his whole family in uh, Amityville. Amityville. Yeah. And Hal Holbrook shoved his wife into a crate with a monster. So all of them. Not good people. But only one of them did it in real life. Periphery, right. Peripherally associated with murder. But when you were saying that, like, it's talking about how, like, the government or NASA was doing this, what I thought was really interesting is that the scam that, that Holbrook is running is a tiny faction of NASA. Most of the staff, like most of ground control, they were not in on it. They believed because, like, he had right. it, he was all the data they were getting looked like the mission was going as expected. That's right. It was all being fed from that base by James Second. Right. So it's like him, the handful of guys at that base, mm-hmm. and then the helicopter pilots, the, mm-hmm. the assassins. And so it's just a that that made it to me like almost a more plausible conspiracy because you had a smaller cadre of people mm-hmm. that you had to sort of get to stick together because if you get this giant conspiracy going right but I, uh, I don't know why they couldn't have filmed it out in the desert you know and just made it look like mars i think that would have been more believable like a thing where there would have been sky and and like right. something on a horizon and things like it would have been I don't know why they did that, why it had to be that indoor space and all that. But, you know, I am that's a, a huge that's fan. To me, that's a minor quibble. I, yeah, yeah, I'm just saying, was. like, looking at it, it we, it's obviously visually really impressive to see that yes. that soundstage with the fucking all those big lights and everything. But, yeah. And plus, so, like, if you were filming outside in the desert and, like, you're trying to do live shots to convince people that you're on Mars. And, and a like, bird flies by. A buzzard <laughs> flies over, exactly. Well, they uh, just take it out in post. <laughs> yeah. This, After Effects. Can yeah, you get rid of that? <laughs> so, yeah, this was cool. I, uh, this was fun. Like, uh, Mike and I have talked from the very beginning. Like, we got to do Capricorn 1 someday. So, so it finally and like got I said, here. This is, so. a, this is a weird time in our country right now with all the people being willing to believe anything well they just believe truth right not science but it's their truth truth. not a uh not an objective truth alternative facts subjective truth (laughs) alternative facts but it's (laughs) fax yeah it's an alternative facts it came in on the alternative facts machine so who wants to talk about what else they've watched lately sure Let's see. I'm actually somewhat updated, I believe, on my... Whoa. Pump on the brakes. I know. I love it. I got a couple of good ones to talk about. Let's see. So, Naked Vengeance and Angel of Vengeance was... All right. So, after... Since the last ones we watched for the podcast, I watched Land of the Dead. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I'd only seen it once. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought it held up great. I really what liked it. What year was that? Um, 05. 05? Okay, cool. Yeah, I really felt like it held up well. The Have you watched it again, Marty? No. I saw it in the theater, but I don't think that I've seen it since. Yeah, Mike, Mike and I watched it and liked it. Yeah. Yeah, it was, you know, I mean, obviously better than, like, Diary of the Dead and... Mm-hmm. Whatever the other one was. It wasn't Island of the Dead. I can't even remember now. 
Yeah, I think it was something like Island of the Dead, wasn't it? Okay. It was not great. I watched a really good um, movie called The Guest by uh, Weingard, Adam Weingard. I love The Guest. Yeah, who did your... Oh, yeah, it's great. Yeah. It's great. That dude is... That's an intense fucking dude that played the the main guy. That guy's awesome. And the chick is the chick from It Follows, right? Yes. Yeah, because I kept looking at her and I was like, She's so familiar, so familiar. And Dylan said, oh, yeah, she's from It Follows. So Yeah. Wait, have you seen The Watcher, anyone? The I Watcher? I want to see that. It's on Shutter mm-hmm. right now. It, it was in the theater not too long ago. So new thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Yeah, check it out. Uh, she's in it. Watch Raising Cain, the De Palma movie with uh, John Lithgow. It's fucking nuts. Nice. Good, fun, but nuts. Uh, I haven't I haven't seen that in decades, but I I liked it. I watched, and I know Marty watched also, How to Talk to Girls at Parties mm-hmm. by John Cameron Mitchell. It is, un, it's unlike, I, I don't, there's nothing to me to kind of compare it to, I don't think. It's just, do it just does its own thing, and it just sort of does, drops you into a, a world and a story and a thing and but it still does a really cool thing of like building a specific time and place because it's set in london during the like the 77 era. like during the punk era wait so is it, it recent re- movie um, though? yeah like 17 okay. 2017 okay, okay, so it's julie remember the movie um, liquid sky that we watched yeah it reminded me so much of liquid sky cool yeah very arty very weird the dude that directed it is the guy that did um, Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Okay. Which is a few other amazing. Things. Sold. Yeah, I definitely yeah. recommend it. It's on HBO, so okay. watch it. Oh, I will. Great. Great. Weird like, as just, shit. And, uh, and written by John Cameron Mitchell and Neil Gaiman. Oh, yeah, Elle Fanning. Based on a book by him. Yeah. Yeah, so. Elle Fanning. It's, it's great. Nicole She's Kidman's in it. I love Nicole Kidman in it. Uh, watched Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, the first Guy Ritchie movie. Man, nice. it held up so well. We laughed so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, watched Empire Strikes Back. And the reason we watched Empire Strikes Back was because Dylan had just got the 4K. And uh, like we watched Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. And he said, well, if we have time, let's watch the Hoth battle in 4K on the big TV. I was like, okay, well, you know, it's... 15 minutes, 10 minutes into the movie is when the Hoth battle is. So we started up, what turns out it's like 20 minutes into the movie because Luke gets lost and he goes out on the Tauntaun to find him, mm-hmm. Honda. So we watched all that and then the Hoth battle was going and it looked amazing, but we were all talking about the Wampa and everything and then the Hoth battle and then they escape from the planet and then there i said well wait this is the asteroid field let's watch the asteroid field part so we watched that and then they're down in there and i said well i want to see the those flying creatures that land on the ship on the millennium falcon mm-hmm. and then some other part happened they're called minox okay sorry minots minox m-y-n-o-c so Anyway, we just sat here basically going, wait, wait, just, oh, he's going to Dagobah. Let's see what Dagobah looks like in 4K. But what had happened is we just got sucked into it. So we sat and watched the whole thing. Yeah, but, I, I've watched, it's in, it's in 4K, I believe, on Disney, and that's where I watched Star Wars recently. Uh, Empire's yeah. so good. Yeah. 
so good. Uh, and then we watched Reanimator. Okay. Just because it's Reanimator and the Parallax View and Capricorn One. Okay, what are those about? So, uh, <laughs> it's about two people who get into a tricky situation oh. over a pound note. Right. And he comes walking down five miles. That's right, with his head in his one hand and a sandwich in the other. And says, please, uh, may I have some more? Well, you're getting all the genres in there. <laughs> Julie, what about you? Um, all right. Well, um, oh, okay. I watched Evil Death Trap. Yeah, um, Japanese movie. Yeah. yeah. I just it, found out about that. Vinegar Syndrome had like a really great release of it a couple years ago. I, I feel like maybe last we year. We watched that, Mike. Is it not? I thought that's the one I just sent you the trailer for, the other, like mm-hmm. recently. 1988? Yeah. I swear, man. Yeah, we watched it. If, the, if you watched it, you did watch it. Oh, yeah. yeah it's wild. It is insane. It I mean, it's kind wild. of like torture porny yes. until like the last like quarter of it, and then yeah. it was really good, but really insane. Yes. I don't know if I want to watch it again. Yeah, I've only seen it once. Don't like, have any, but they made several cool. sequels. Oh, did they? I believe so. Yeah. Huh. I think. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah. yeah this, I'm sorry. This is not the one I was. I, I like that it just got wilder and wilder, and you were like, "What the fuck?" It's sort of like precursor to like Tokyo Tokyo Gore Police and shit like that, Mike. That sort of okay. really super extreme Japanese gore type stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And some of that stuff I liked a lot. Yeah. But yeah. some of it, you know, is obviously just too much. Yeah. Silly. It's just silly. Oh yeah. yeah. It's a bit silly. Um, I went to the theater and I saw a Bullet Train. Oh, okay, cool. Oh, and how that was, was it? It was fun. Yeah. It was like a really fun watch. There were great cameos. That's and the Brad Pitt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they look great. Yeah, hilarious cameos. Um, is it worth seeing in the theater? Meh, maybe okay. not. Like, I I would enjoy it just at yeah. home, you know? Uh, Night Shift uh, on Netflix. The, like, Henry Winkler... Movie? No, it um it was a vampire movie with oh, Jamie Lee Fox. Yes, and um yeah, I saw the ads for this. David Franco, is that his name? Dave. Dave Franco. Mm-hmm. Um, that movie was really funny. Okay, it was like a homage to vampire movies. Mm-hmm. There was lots of just um you know lost boys and like all kinds of other references to classic. Uh, I, I did movies. look at reviews, and the stuff I read made me not want to watch it. But your review is making me want to watch it. So I mean, it was just stupid and silly, mm-hmm. and you know, if you just want something, you know, just to like hang out and have right. a couple laughs, like I thought it was great. Cool. Like Snoop Dogg's in it. And oh shit! Okay. All the women love him, and it's really funny. You know, every every woman wants to bang him in the movie, <laughs> which is adorable and hilarious. Scott Atkins is in it. Yeah. So it was it was enjoyable. Don't uh, you know pass it by. All right, cool. Um, Nightlife from 1989. It is about this like smart kid who is kind of like a nerd. He works mm-hmm. at a, a mortuary, mm-hmm. and he gets bullied by these two jocks and their girlfriends. Okay. And then they all die, and they're like still bullying him after their death. Wow. And yeah, they're kind of like eccentric zombies and they just keep on coming after him and it's it's cute. Wow. It's like a fun like high school simple, you know, just like Scott Grimes. Okay. John Aston's in it. Mhm. Oh wow, Anthony Geary, Mike. 
Really? Luke. Rhino, hot off the heels of UHF. Wow. Yeah. Because, you know, he's the engineer at the station on UHF. You've seen that movie more than I have. I don't remember yes, it. Yes, I am. Yeah, that was a really cute movie. That's it was cool. fun. Never even heard of it. Um, okay, and the last one that I can remember that I've written down is last night I watched Tusk. Wow, I've never seen it. Oh, I haven't either. The Kevin oh, Smith movie. That's some fucked up body heart. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh my god. It's Justin Long, right? He's yeah, the yeah. Damn Kevin Smith, who brought us like mall rats and clerks. Right. Like, he really like fucked me up. Like, I was stress eating chips. <laughs> wow. So, do you recommend it? Yeah, it was good. Yeah, that's one I've like always been curious about. <laughs> it was good. I haven't seen that or Red State. I think I saw Red State. I thought we watched Red State. Why? No, I didn't. But yeah, yeah I have um, such also. Who is the a- guy oh, it's on that, HBO. Yeah, who's the guy that plays the yes. the lead, the bad guy? I guess the evil doctor in Tusk. Oh, uh, pull that guy up because I can't remember. Michael Parks. Oh, Michael he was Parks. creepy as shit. He's always great. Oh, Haley Joel Osment's in it. Johnny Depp. Wow, look at the cast. Yeah, I did not realize that Johnny Depp was in it, and my friend was like, I think that's Johnny Depp. And he has a wild nose on his face that is not his. It was... All right, I'm not going to... I don't want to hear anymore, and I'll watch it tonight. (laughs) Actually, I don't know if I will. I want to watch the new Thor that's on Disney+. Plus. (laughs) The movie that I was conflating with uh, Evil Dead House... Is a thing from '95 called "Bloody Muscle Bodybuilder in Hell." <laughs> that sounds Japanese, awesome. It's I sent you the trailer, Marty. It's a real low no, budget, like uh, Japanese. It's sort of like a Japanese bad taste or Evil Dead, where it's just yeah, like it somebody really that funny. said, "I'm going to just make a movie." Okay. And uh, the trailer made me want to see it, so mm-hmm. I'm kind of keeping an eye out for it. I haven't looked to see if it's available, so I don't know. <laughs> Um, so, for me, what I've watched since the last time we recorded was, I think, I don't think I, did I talk about the last matinee? I don't think I did. No, you didn't. You so, told me about it, but you didn't. So, the last matinee, it's on, I think it's on Shutter. Uh-huh. Um, and I did not like it. You didn't? Um, no. Um, oh. I thought it was beautiful to look at. The trailer, you sent it to us. It yes. looked awesome. I, and that's why I was so excited and watched it immediately and then oh, did not like it. Yeah, the um, trailer looked amazing. I mean, it does look great, but it's, um, and it also, truly, there's like nods to that movie Anguish. Okay. Because the movie. Within a, a theater. It was, and that's what this is. It's a theater where there's a killer and there's a horror movie being watched. Okay. So it's sort of meta. And there's a moment later in the movie where the, the sort of last girls have run away and the killer's chasing them and they go down to the box office and there's a shot that very deliberately there they are and there's a poster for anguish on the wall oh you see zelda and i was like yeah okay cool this is good so there's things about it that i think are very good um but it 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 didn't like keep me riveted or anything okay um so i watched that so that's a new and that's a new movie um i watched samaritan on um amazon with um sylvester sloan and I found it very entertaining. You liked it? I did. I watched Nope. How did you like I it? I really didn't think it was good. <gasps> no! Yeah, I really didn't, didn't like it. I there, loved that there movie. There were moments that were amazing. And we'll talk about it when we're not recording because I wanted 
like talk about things that will spoil yeah. it for other people. But um, oh, that makes me sad. Yeah, I, I was bummed. I was like, well, shit. Um, but you know, I, I really liked um, Get Out, mm-hmm. his first movie, and then I didn't like Us, and then I didn't really like this. But I like this, I think, better than Us. Um, but I can, I'm never gonna say anything but like praise for the visuals and mm-hmm. the, some of the the like sort of moments. Because it was kind of amazing. Um, to me, this is more like a unique blockbuster, and I would rewatch it. To me, it has like a lot of rewatchability. I might rewatch it for like I, a Saturday. Or... I had issues with the characters. What is that? What just happened? Yeah. Okay. I've got all these other things running. Oh. Okay. And they're bleeping and blooping. Sorry. Um. I had issues with some of the characters. That's so good. I didn't like the sister. And I, the main dude, who I think is a great actor, uh-huh. I just thought his character was so deadpan and like low-key that I could not... I just didn't care. I was oh, just like, see? I love the emotions that he just like projected from his face. When he did, it was great. But for the most part, he was so unflappable and like stoic that I was just like, come on, dude, give me yeah. some. Like I um and I, I just didn't I didn't I did it didn't connect to me personally. No, that's fair. Um, I just wish there was more David Keith in it. It was such a bummer because like I was like oh fuck David Keith is in this. Yeah, I mean that was cool though. Not for long. Um, <laughs> I watched Top Gun Maverick. How did you like it? Fucking awesome. I loved that movie. I cried. Yeah, it was. It got me. I it was, was like, good. Fuck. Mm-hmm. I was I was almost angry how good I thought it was. I was like. Fuck. I mean, I'm I'm gonna go bold. I like it bigger than better than the original. I think I've it's one hundred percent comparable. At least I've heard mm-hmm. actually I've heard innumerable people say they liked it better. It's more nuanced, yeah. I think. And and it's such a different angle with him being older and stuff like that. But he is still like the best pilot anybody's ever seen. It can do mm-hmm. things nobody else can do. But it's a movie. That's the fucking way movies work. Yeah. Um so anyway, I just I loved it. I liked that they used some of the music. I liked that it was, it felt like it was part of that thing. And yeah. honestly, I would love them to do another one. I'm like, just please give me more of this. It was so fucking entertaining and yeah. well told. Um, Agreed. And Jennifer Connelly was a total babe in it. She's well, it's Jennifer Connelly. She's, it's hard to beat her. Um, I watched a movie called Nova Kane, starring Steve Martin. Oh, yeah. And. Um, I've seen that cover a lot. Laura Dern. Yeah, uh-huh. it's a weird cover. Yeah. And when you watch the movie, you, you'll understand why. But um, And Scott Kahn and some other people. Anyway, fucking weird is shit. And a great little whodunit murder mystery story that's really well told. Very different and very much just like fuck you to the audience. Cool. I like Who it did lot. you say was responsible for it? Don't remember. Um... How to Talk to Girls at Parties, which we talked about. I watched Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Unfortunately, after taking an entire heavy-duty gummy, <laughs> couldn't follow it. Uh, didn't like it, but I don't know if it's the movie's fault or the my fault for altering my consciousness before I watched it. So, D- Did you watch it here at the house? Here at the or? House. Okay. Yeah, it's on Disney+. Plus. Oh, cool. Yeah. So I, I wanted to watch the new Thor movie and the only Marvel like more big MCU thing that I hadn't seen was that one was okay. the Dr. Strange. So I was like, well, there may be some connecting thing that's in that movie that's going to affect Thor. So I went ahead and watched that and 
it was not great. I did not enjoy it. Um, oh, and that's it. And that is all. <laughs> so I've been watching a lot of TV. The Rings of Power has started on Amazon Prime with the Lord of the Rings series. Really mm-hmm. like it. Um, there's a huge amount of, apparently, internet uproar because there's some black people playing elves and dwarves. And that's not cool, apparently, if you're a huge well, racist. Also, I also read a thing that said that there's a lot of upset because the primary, like, powerful figure in its female. Yeah, but Galadriel was female in the books, so... But... Oh, just the fact that they decided to focus on a female character? Yes. Well, I mean, nobody wants that. Um, And also, what it started is House of the Dragon, the new... Yeah. um, I'm liking it. prequel to Game of Thrones. So, how um, far in the past is this oh like a very long time how long do these people live like do they have a lifespan like us normal lifespan this okay. is generations past okay yeah. okay it's very good it is very good and all the actors are great and um the special effects are great the plotting mm-hmm. i think is great i'm i ended game of thrones just thinking fuck game of thrones because i didn't like how it ended so i went into this thing expecting hoping that it would be good but expecting it to suck thinking that the, whoever was had their hand on the rudder for that show mm-hmm. just did, had lost their way. And they've handed the show over to new people, and these people clearly got their shit together. It's well, very good. good. Um, and then I started re-watching The Venture Brothers. On oh, I love that show. God damn, it's so good. It really holds up. I haven't thought about that in a long time. I hadn't either. And I was just yeah. flipping on there, and there it was. And I was like, oh, shit. Wait, where, where was it streaming HBO. on? Ooh. Yeah, the whole, all of it. What's good about okay. what's good about Venture Brothers is it wasn't it's not a pop culture dependent show from the era it was made. Like all the pop culture stuff that it tends to hit on is stuff from like Johnny Quest and James Bond and sort of the classic. Yeah, it's a Johnny Quest parody essentially. Right. right. But with all sorts right. of other really smart stuff in it and some of the best voice oh, actors so around. So good. But anyway, so that's what I've been watching. Cool. Well, both of these movies were really good and really satisfying. Yeah, it felt it felt substantial. It felt like a like a nice meal instead of like a little snack or a diversion. This felt like a like a you know like a big cheeseburger with a big order of fries. It must maybe it's my age or something, but like I it, movies from this era just scratch an itch kind of. It takes me back. I mean, that's when I was a kid discovering movies. You yeah. Know? Exactly. And fuck, 77, dude. That was kind of a big year for me. Oh, yeah. 77 was a big year for anybody that was around our age. But it's shocking to me that Capricorn 1 came out then, and I saw it at the theater. Because obviously I was seeing anything I could see. If it had any hint of science fiction to it, I would see it. But still, like it's it's a bit of an odd film for me to have seen. Yeah, it's not a kid. It's not a kid movie. No. Which is, I mean, there's stuff in it that I would have loved as a kid, but a lot of it would have just been like, why is everybody just running around and talking so mm-hmm. much? It's funny for me that you can have that experience, but like in 94, when Time Cop came out, that mm-hmm. changed my life, the mm-hmm. same director. So mm-hmm. that yeah. is kind of cool. It's not that wild. Yeah. Well, I mean, there are really key players. And all this stuff. And, uh, you know, you look at it, you kind of go, oh, shit, that's by that guy. Or that mm-hmm. was written by that guy. Or it stars that guy. Or the music was by this. It's Absolutely. like, fuck. It's like, there were 
people that were important that maybe you didn't even understand were important. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all know John Carpenter, you know, Steven Spielberg, mm-hmm. you know, but like, that's not the only people making movies. Which is such a shame when you find a gem and then they've never done anything else. Mm-hmm. Or, or like you, that, that fucking movie, the editor thing that we watched, that Astron 6 thing. Yeah. Because I oh, went and watched man, that was good. some more stuff. Because the dude that uh, was the editor, I think he was in the Psycho Goreman. I think he's like the dad uh-huh, you're of right. the little girl. Yeah, he's that. Greg. Yeah, and I was just like, I, I think. And I had already seen Psycho Gorman, and I didn't connect him to it. And that dude's in a ton of stuff, it turns yeah. out. And Man, he's good in all of it. Did you guys like Psycho Gorman? I th- Mike's not saying it. I thought it was pretty fun. Okay. Yeah. I thought it was good. Yeah. I, I guess I didn't like any of the characters except Psycho Gorman, but the everything was really good. I thought it was a lot of fun, and I thought that little brassy shitheel girl little girl was funny i thought i thought she was super annoying she's super annoying but i thought it was funny i was like this but like because they were just going for it yeah it's like no no she's really annoying i was like this is cool like they weren't maybe we should make her a lesson they were like hey just fuck it just be as annoying as you can be God, like can you that. imagine if she was your child no no. Were you talking about like an atypical thing for you to see in the theater for like Capricorn One? Mm-hmm. When in that era, or this sort of seventy-seven ish time, like my dad would just on Friday night, mm-hmm. he would take me to. There was a Park Twin theater, two screens, and he would take me there. And unless there was something specific, like I can remember going to see Superman because it was at the cinema. Mm-hmm. That 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 specific theater, mm-hmm. so I went there. But like. Unless there was something specific that I wanted to see, he would just on Friday night take me and drop me at the Park Twin, mm-hmm. and I would see one of the two movies playing. Mm-hmm. It didn't. I didn't even know. I wouldn't even look mm-hmm. and see what was playing unless I knew something big was coming. So I would just see, and I saw like a lot of oddball stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, what stands out in your mind as an example? Uh, just a lot of like weird comedies that like the the, kind of the hot stuff. With directed by Dom DeLuise, yeah. and Jerry Reed, yeah. and Suzanne Plachette. Just watched some of that the other day yeah. on on streaming somewhere, and uh, a movie called Buffalo Rider. Yeah, about a, a guy who tames a buffalo. Yeah, that's and, actually uh, kind of famous. And that movie, that actually, there is a dude that and he rides the buffalo, and like it was like no shit, super dangerous. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, and that's actually one I've been wanting to see. Yeah, I saw that in the theater. I saw that's where I saw like the message from space. Yes, the one with uh, Vic Morrow, the right. Japanese crazy and Sunny Chiba, and Sunny Chiba, and I don't know, just all kinds yeah. of crazy. Odd but those make shit. sense that you would see those things. Well, like, yeah, like, Message from Space, yeah. and but, like, Buffalo Rider was one that, like, I didn't want to see the drama that was right. playing in one side, so I went to see the Western right. that was playing in the other side. But it's, uh, have you ever seen anything about Buffalo Rider? Uh-uh. Yeah, it's like a dude, like, he looks kind of like a, like, just a kind of hippie, and he's riding around on a fucking giant fucking buffalo. Like, like, he's just, like... Like no right saddle, just like. Thing. It is wild to say. Huh. Well, there's a thing in the as I remember it now. This was a forever ago, but there's a thing where he's in a saloon, and like there's some guys that have double crossed him or hurt him or something, and he finds them in there, 
and to get his revenge he just like rides the buffalo into the saloon and it's like stomping the guys and stuff and he kills a bunch of guys just using only his buffalo <laughs> no it's it that, that movie is frequently mentioned alongside roar Oh, really? Yeah, as like, or it's like some crazy, just like a dangerous onset, crazy animal action, like real, like animal shit. Like this Wait. was a mistake. Yeah, because Roar like, like attacked a ton of people on set, right? Notoriously. Yeah, like um, the dude got his head scalped. The uh-huh. cinematographer who went on to be a director, maybe John Devon, or the John Devon did, or the dude that did um, Speed. That's John Devon. Okay, well, what's the dude that... Anyway, I think it was John Devon. I think he was the cinematographer, and he got sort of scalped by the one of the lions. Damn. Uh, yeah, award-winning cinematographer, blah, 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 roar. It's also pretty dangerous. I almost lost my head over it. Yeah. And I've seen Roar, but I haven't seen it in years. But that might be a good one to pair up with Buffalo Rider, Mike. I'm just saying. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Alright, well, um, thanks for dipping down into this fucking stew of conspiracy with me, guys. Thank you for having now us. Now we'll go watch CNN and hear some more. Yeah, I got my friends down in Mar-a-Lago. They're trying to get me some information so I can figure out uh, what's really going on. Yes? Vice President Price on the line. Hello? Hello, Mr. Vice President. Yes, it's wonderful, isn't it? Proud moment for all Americans. You can tell the President that's very gracious of him. I appreciate it, I really do. Thank you. And my very best to your lovely wife. Yes. Goodbye. Asshole.